Good morning, everyone. Our guest today is Juno Senator Jesse Keel. Good morning. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> so, you've signed on to another term, but you have no opponent. What do you make of that? Oh well, I mean, I'm I'm flattered. I'm honored at the opportunity. Um, the the joke that's been going around is uh, we just have to keep Will Muldoon happy so he doesn't launch a successful write in. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, honestly, it's uh, it, it's a privilege to get to serve our communities, um, our piece of Southeast Alaska, and uh, and. You know, this seat has two years ahead of it, um, and then there will be a four-year term available um, to the voters to choose who does the work after that. Um, So uh, the fact that no one else filed for the seat, um, you know, I think folks have their own... uh, their own reasoning for for their decisions um if uh, you know when someone wants to flatter you usually because they want something out of you they tell you it's because you did a great job um I, I will tell you that i work really hard at this i take it very seriously um i, I am sure that uh the fact of of public service and and how difficult it can be how challenging a competitive campaign can be probably um, reduces the number of people uh, who don't think I'm doing a great job who um, would otherwise have filed. So um, the key thing for me is I'm going to I'm going to run a campaign. I'm going to go to events. uh, I'm going to go talk to the voters just as though I did have an opponent, um, because it's really essential that I be out there talking to people uh, that I have the privilege of representing. Um, I need to hear from and communicate with uh, every everybody who lives here in Northern Southeast Alaska about what their priorities are for this job for the next two years. It's it's their job. Uh, I get the privilege of working in it. And, and this district, it didn't see that many changes from the redistricting process, did it? No, interestingly enough, our district didn't change one soul uh, of, of who uh, the constituency is all the same communities, all the same folks. We we changed a landmass a little bit. There's an unpopulated strip of the outer coast that used to be in our district that now will not be. That way, Yakutat can be contiguous with uh, Pelican and Skag or in Sitka, excuse me, um, and and Central Southeast. Uh, but but nobody lives in that area that got uh, got carved off. So um, it's all of the city and borough of Juneau. Uh, it is Gustavus Haynes. Plakwan and Skagway. And a chunk of your colleagues in the Senate are announcing they will not be seeking another term, including the Senate president and minority leader. What might that mean for organizing in the 33rd session? Well, uh, it, it, it's it's not a good idea to try and organize the Senate before you know who the members are, but things will definitely be different. Um, we are sure now that uh, five members at minimum will change. It's a 20-member Senate, right? So that's a quarter of us uh, if there are no surprises or electoral upsets, and, and that is not a given. Um, there will be some other competitive races. So um, it, it means new faces and new folks to work with, uh, new opportunities to team up um, and do things uh, ideally in a, in a way that doesn't look to party for how we organize, but that puts the people with the best skill sets and the best positions, chairing committees. Um, uh, that will be a goal of mine uh, as I talk with folks around the state here um, during the campaign season and then afterwards once the results are known. Um, for the last couple of years, uh, despite the organization being mostly party lines, we have had a pretty collaborative Senate. Um, it has been more for show, or excuse me, more for work and less for show. Um, 
almost said that backwards. Um, and, and, and so I think, you know, you can enhance that, that ability to do work for Alaskans, to look at ideas and fiscal policy and actually move the state forward instead of grandstanding for cameras or uh, for partisan advantage, which eh, we've seen that in the past, right? Um, we did a much better job the last several years at not having that sort of nonsense. Um, my goal will be to have even less of it um, with, a, with a bipartisan organization. I, I think that's really possible with, with some of the changes we see coming. A, a, a bipartisan coalition? That, that'll be my goal, yeah. Mm. Um, you know, obviously, uh, I do have a party affiliation. Would it be nifty if uh, everybody agreed with me? Sure, but let's deal with reality here. Um, I, I think we'll do our best work if we put the party labels aside and everybody brings their values and their philosophy, right, to looking at the issues and what's best for Alaskans. That's an interesting thought, given that this new election system doesn't even account for parties in, in our traditional sense, right? I'm, I'm optimistic that it may actually help with that, Kevin. I, I, I am. Um, you know, the, the open primary, where you vote for just one, can put three Republicans on the November ballot or four Democrats, right? Or some other mix. So um, even if you don't have six, eight, 12 people running and use the primary to cull down the numbers, this new system still makes a difference. And then we'll get into the ranked choice voting, of course, in the, in the general election in November. But, but I think the key is exactly that, right? Alaskans will have choices in front of them to look at who's going to do the best job who's got the right values for them, and the most important thing isn't what party they're in. Very good. So let's let's move to, of course, the PFD. And it'll be one of the larger PFDs in the state's history. I've heard the second largest, I believe. It depends on whether you want to adjust for inflation, but sure, we're in the neighborhood. Okay. And that will be going out to residents in the fall. What are your thoughts since you've called for fiscal restraint on the permanent fund on previous programs? It, it, it's a compromise amount. It is. Um, and, and uh, you know, here's the, the bottom line. It is the PFD check is going to be half of what we draw from the permanent fund. We stuck to a sustainable draw, right? We're not taking more than 5% of the average value of the fund. You got to keep to that in good years and in bad years uh, if you want to protect the permanent fund forever and really keep it permanent. So uh, half of that is about a $2,600 check. There will also be an energy uh, rebate or an energy energy assistance check. Um, again, not needs-based. Goes out to everybody, gets a PFD. Um, and together, those cost about $2.1 billion, right? That is state spending. Now, no question, I support permanent fund dividends. Um, I I think that uh, we would have done better to uh, provide that energy assistance check to folks who need assistance, um, not to folks who don't even look at their energy bill. They just pay it uh, because they got the money. Um, But but the compromise that was struck was to do it um, the the easy way and put it all on a single check. Um, And, uh, you know, we're still going to save about $1.4 billion from this oil price windfall. And that, you know, assumes the price of oil stays about where it is now, even goes down a little tiny bit. Um, Eventually, that price of oil is going to fall back down to a a more steady level, right? There is a war in Europe. We've shut off buying Russia's oil. So the price of everybody else's has gone up. Um, 
Should we be saving more than $1.4 billion? Yeah, we ought to, because we know the price is going back down someday. Um, but uh, we are saving. At one point, it, it actually looked like we were going to have to draw on our savings during a price boom to pay out massive checks. We, we put that idea to bed. That's not happening. So it, it would be good, I think, if we saved a little more. Um, but $2.1 billion of checks, it's about $3,200 per Alaskan, roughly, um, was the compromise that was struck. We can afford that for a year. That's, that's, we'll get through. Okay. And speaking on the budget, since we're touching on the savings, I, we had talked a little bit before the program about the amount of federal funding that this budget contains, which makes it rather large. What thoughts did you have on that? Well, it is tremendous, right? And that's a combination of a number of things, from the infrastructure bill to the last of the, uh, the uh, American Rescue Plan Act to the last of the coronavirus assistance money. Um, <clears throat> and we're deploying that to help out Alaskans and to help pay for state services that Alaskans need. Um, and then, of course, the infrastructure money is going to help with highway and docks and, and airports and that sort of thing. Um, and so w- we have a tremendous opportunity here to, to move things forward. And frankly, a lot of that money is going to allow these $3,200 checks. We, we won't be able to do them again like this unless for some reason the price of oil, you know, skyrockets or markets explode. Um, we, we are relying on a lot of that federal money. There's a lot of one-time money built in here. So... Um, Long term, we didn't do a long term fiscal fix this year. That's too bad, right? When there's money around would be the best time to do it. So you can feather in the changes and you can phase things in so that we don't have any traumatic shocks to the economy, to people's jobs and people's incomes. Um, I I couldn't convince enough of my colleagues to to do that this year. Um, But but with all that federal help, um, you're going to see some significant economic activity. I think you'll continue to see a lot of jobs available. Um, and and you'll also see some real infrastructure improvements. So lots of capital spending then. There is, yeah, yeah. And, and of course, uh, we're also spending a chunk of state money of this state windfall um, on, on infrastructure. That is some important stuff. And I'm certainly happy to talk about uh, what we have for Juneau and, and for Northern Southeast if you want to spend that, time that, on that. That was, that was my next question, yes. Excellent, excellent. Um, so a, a bunch of really good opportunities. Uh, there's $2 million uh, to finish the work on Aurora Harbor. The city will match that dollar for dollar. Um, there's $5 million to help uh, replace the parking garage by the state office building, which is crumbling, right? It's it's getting close to the unsafe stage here. Not there yet, but we've already put some patches in it and they're not enough. That's going to be a partnership with the city and the rebuilt garage will be larger. It will both meet the state's parking needs. That's why there's $5 million from the state in it, but also public parking needs. And the city is looking at reducing what they require of developers for parking downtown. That new garage will meet the need. So you will have less requirement that somebody who owns an office building now has to have acres of asphalt next to it. And they will have opportunities to build apartment buildings there or an additional office building there or what have you. And there will be the parking available already. Mm-hmm. That, that's a great opportunity for economic growth in that region that is starting to, starting to bustle and build up. There's a huge amount of work on major maintenance, right? We get behind on our maintenance and it costs us a lot of money. So I championed $2.4 million for the University of Alaska Southeast on just 
critical stuff. They need to replace the fire system where they teach welding. They've got handrails outside that are, are crumbling and rotting and they're important safety. There's a roof. There are some oil tanks that are getting old and the last thing we need is oil dribbling into Auk Lake, right? They're going to get replaced. So just critical major maintenance stuff at UAS um, is going to get done. Um, I got this money last year. The governor vetoed it. I'm guardedly optimistic that he will not veto it this year. The price has gone up $200,000, right? Year over year, inflation goes up. So I I think we need to get this work done now. Um, There is money for ferry maintenance. There is $30 million in that budget to begin the design and replacement of uh, of a mainline ferry. Right, we just saw the Malaspina yeah. go bye. Right, we need to replace our mainline ferries. We're about twenty-five years past due. Right, so this is thirty million from the state that will match a lot of federal money. It's going to take a while, but but we're getting that process started. Um, better late than never. Um, you know, lots of other stuff. Uh, there's a million dollars for the uh, Gaston Elementary. I think that's Sayek. It's a Klingit name. Gaston Elementary School roof. Um, there's also uh, elsewhere in our region, in our district, there's some money to help replace uh, fire alarm systems in Chatham School District. So that's going to help out Gustavus and Klaquan schools. Um, there's money for some major maintenance at the Haynes High School. Um, you know, and, and, and we could run. We put about $100 million statewide into maintaining school buildings. That is desperately needed. It has been years since we have invested in that. Um, and you can only... Uh, pinch those maintenance dollars for so long before you have replacement costs um, that are much, much higher. Mm-hmm. So, um, And along with that, there's yeah. a lot of funding for, for education just in general. To Absolutely. And that's something in the operating budget I'm very, very proud of. We're going to boost education funding statewide by about $87 million this year. That's the equivalent, very roughly, of about 250 bucks a kid on the, on the base student oh, allocation. The oh, yeah. Um, our school districts are hurting. It has been six years since they got any kind of boost um, to cover inflation, to cover the rising cost of health care for teachers and aides and everybody who works at the school, to cover you know the cost of, of paper and, and whatever else. Um, so our schools have been having to cut back dramatically. This roughly 250 bucks a kid um, is desperately needed. So I'm, I'm really proud that the legislature was able to deliver that this year. And, and I think the governor, um, again, I'm guardedly optimistic. I think he will sign that appropriation. Uh, what, what items are you optimistic that won't be vetoed, or at least you're hoping? won't be vetoed. Well, I, I think school funding is really key. The bond um, debt reimbursement or just the school funding? So I'm general. talking about school operations, right? School paying school teachers, operation. paying classroom aides, paying for school buses, the things we just have to that do. That extra 250 yeah. That extra 250 bucks a kid, roughly. Um, I, I think a lot of the capital budget stuff that we got here in, in our region um, is, is just needs stuff. Right. There is not, um, you know, uh, not stuff that you could look at and say, oh, that's fluff. Right. This is infrastructure and it's maintaining what we have. Um, some of replacing what we have. Um, not a lot of, of sort of pie in the sky type notions. Um, so I, th- I think very baseline stuff that I think the governor is going to agree uh, is essential. Um, and, and then, um, you know, the other thing that that I think think he will he will sign because the need is so dire um, I worked with colleagues to put about 35 million dollars in the budget a couple different places the folks who provide direct services to people with developmental disabilities so that they can live in their homes 
live full lives independently and not be in an institution. And also some of our seniors who are on Medicaid waivers, again, to live in their homes, to not have to go to a nursing home at colossal cost, right? We save money with this. But just like everybody's having trouble hiring, those folks haven't gotten a raise in years and years and years. And people who provide those direct services to our neighbors with developmental disabilities, to our neighbors who are senior citizens with some significant needs. They're leaving the profession because they can make more anywhere else. So that's $35 million. We work with the providers to make sure that money's going to go into salaries. And make it competitive overall. Well, at least at least try and catch up with what they've lost over the last few years, right? Uh, you know, folks don't tend to go into those provi- uh, professions uh, and direct care uh, to get wealthy. They do it because they love the work, they love their clients, but nobody can make it if you can't pay the bills or if every other job in town pays more. So uh, that's statewide. Mm-hmm. That's been a statewide problem. Um, and we worked with the departments and, and then with the nonprofits who provide a lot of those services to make sure those dollars are, are going there. And so keeping those program, okay, keeping those intact. We'll go ahead and join Keel after the break, so stay tuned. And we're back with Juno Senator Jesse Keel. Now, let's talk about the bills that were passed during the session. Tell us about this Crisis Now legislation. So that is one of a number of really major pieces of legislation that the Alaska State Legislature passed this year. And and I think this one's tremendous. And it was absolutely a collaboration. The administration worked on this, legislators, uh, hospitals, mental health providers. Here's the, the short version, right? When people are in total mental health crisis, and we are talking about an immediate threat to yourself or to others. We're not talking about suffering some depression, but real crisis. Um, What we have had for a very long time is that um, you can be put on a a three-day involuntary hold. And and let's just be clear, we're talking about, you know, someone who doesn't choose to go to treatment being held against their will. So this is serious stuff. Um, And and a magistrate has to look at that. And then there's an evaluation during that three days. And you can be committed for mental health treatment up to a month. That's the law today. When the Crisis Now bill gets signed, there will be a lot more options for a lot less restrictive Approaches to get people stabilized so that they can get their liberty back and, and get their lives back, right? And so um, that will include 24-hour crisis stabilization centers. It'll include up to one-week crisis residential centers, right? Um, we will still have mental hospitals, and that's API and Anchorage. Bartlett has a locked mental health unit here. Fairbanks has one. Um, but we'll be able to get these shorter-term options in more communities and It's very important. We worked on this bill hard to make sure that not only does everybody keep the civil liberties and the protections that you have now, we increased them, right? We actually put more safeguards for civil liberties into this bill. So this is tremendous. It's going to really help people who are in a genuine mental health crisis get stabilized and get back to their lives sooner with more protections for their civil liberties. Now, the next thing we need to do that's not in this bill is more prevention, more treatment, so that we have fewer crises in the first place. But Bartlett is already moving in this direction. Anchorage mental health providers are already moving in this direction. This is the right way to go for handling these crisis situations. Rather than just the, I I guess that's prescribed, it's the only way of going about those those mental crises 
as you just described, what's then currently in law. You know, none of this comes into play if somebody voluntarily gets help. If they voluntarily get treatment, get back on their meds, get see, see their provider, whatever it is, and they are not an immediate threat to themselves or others, this doesn't come into play at all. But when someone's in that extreme level of crisis, immediate risk of harming someone else or harming themselves, that's where this will come into play, and there will be more ways to deal with it, less restrictive options available. Another piece of legislation also addressed uh, marriage laws, and so could you tell us about that? Absolutely. This this um, this one's a little tough to hear, frankly, um, and, and I was so surprised when I researched and dug deep into the state of the law today. Today in Alaska, if someone is 16 or 17 and they want to get married, they can do that with their parents' consent. If they are 14 or 15, they can get married with a judge's okay. And listening to the survivors of child marriage talk about how that happens and how children, I mean, 14 and 15 year old young teens uh, can be pressured or forced into marriage. Kevin, here's the thing that'll shock you. And I just, I had to look it up on research it multiple ways and times. A 14 or 15 year old isn't old enough to file for a divorce when things go wrong. I mean, this is a bad scene. So here's what the bill will do. There will be no way for a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old to get married in Alaska when the governor signs this bill, and I think he'll sign it. A 16 or 17-year-old can get married. It does need to be a judge involved to make sure that no one's being coerced. And the spouse can't be more than three years older. Right. And that that mirrors some provisions in in our um, sexual abuse of a minor laws. Right. So that to reduce those limit those age differences. But we're talking about protecting people from being forced into a marriage. We're talking about protecting what marriage is and, and is meant to be. Right. And I think that's that's really important. So this is something that that real social conservatives and and liberals got together on. Um, You know, there was there was talk about whether we should try and limit it just to you have to be 18 to get married. We decided not to do that um, and to allow for some different circumstances. Um, But this will make a huge difference because we know that those child marriages have happened in Alaska. We know it from the child divorces that have happened when the spouse gets to 16 and can get out. We won't have children in that position in Alaska anymore. So this is just a tremendous thing. Um, Representative Matt Clayman from Anchorage, Representative Sarah Rasmussen from Anchorage were the chief architects of this. Others have worked on it, um, hard on it. Um, And I I got to play a small role. um, and, And I am looking forward to the governor signing that bill into law. I'm just still spinning over the fact that you could get married at 14 and you could not get out. There was no mechanism. It boggled my mind when I learned that. (laughs) So before we wrap up here, I had wanted to ask, might there be any outreach or town hall now that you have, uh, I don't imagine this is really downtime, but now that you have some of this extra time. No, now now we shift from working all evenings and weekends to a sort of a regular state work day, but still working. Um, so my next plan is actually to travel the district and do some some post session outreach to make sure that folks uh, that I don't bump into all over Juneau uh, have a crack at me here. So Gustavus, June 15 and 16, I'm going to have a town hall. I'm going to have some office hours. Skagway, June 22nd and 23rd. 
Um, I'm going to do both a town hall and office hours. And then in Haines, June 28th through 30. Here in Juneau, I don't have any events planned. I do have, I'll be in my office pretty much every day of the week that I'm not in the rest of the communities in our district. Um, I'll see you at Celebration. I'll see you at the grocery store. Um, I'll probably see you at the ball game. Um, so, so just tug on my elbow and say, hey, uh, Jesse, I want to talk to you about something. Or what do you think about this and that? Or swing by the office. You know, I am, I am accessible uh, anytime. Give a call, 465 Four nine four seven, um, and then the last thing I want to do just before I get off your airwaves and thank you for your time, Kevin. Um, I had a change in staff in my office. Um, Edric Carrillo, um, whom many people will know as president of the Filipino Community uh, Incorporated, um, Edric has worked in my office for all three and a half years that I have been in the Senate. Uh, he worked for Representative Sam Quito before that. He is leaving. He's going to go work at the Marine Exchange of Alaska. Um, I can't really blame him. They're an amazing organization, um, but uh, it it's a loss. Uh, I have I have hired somebody to replace Edric on my staff, uh, Ella Adkison, a young Juno born and raised person. Um, but, but I just want to thank Edric publicly for all the work he has done in my office as he goes off to, to make the Marine exchange even more amazing than they are now. Well, we'll congratulate Edric on his escape capital. <laughs> I was going to say capital retirement, but if you say escape, we'll say, we'll say escape. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, folks, that's the end of the program. Tune in next time. We'll be talking with Lieutenant Governor Candidate Heidi Dragas. I also understand Bill might be joining, so tune in for that. In the meantime, thank you for tuning in this. My goodness, I almost forgot the date. This is June 7th, so thank you for tuning in. See you next time.